What's up, NBA fans? We took a two-week break due to uh, me getting sick last week, coming down with some nasty flu-like symptoms like Jordan did in Game 6 against Utah. But in my case, I was not in the NBA Finals. I was simply just at home. I also had a mice problem in my apartment, so hopefully we don't hear them while this is recording. Though I think that problem has been taken care of. Anyways, welcome to the NBA Second Stringers podcast this week. We're giving an update on the All-Star votes. What the hell is going on in Dallas with Dennis Smith Jr.? The Lakers are in trouble. The Clippers are in trouble. The Utah Jazz are rising. Tom Thibodeau is gone. We'll cover that since we were out last week. And John breaks down whether or not the Spurs can hang on to sneak themselves into the NBA playoffs. But before we start with that, a trivia question for you, Sean, is Luka Doncic has been lighting up this year. That's no secret. And he's on his way to an all-star berth. Um, So here's the question. Which other two players since the turn of the century, basically since the year 2000, were also all-stars in their rookie year? Ooh, Alan, that's a that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Luka Doncic, gotta give him credit, man. I mean, he's he's like, what, in the top five for all NBA votes right now by the fans? He's actually in second. He's in second overall. No, 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 you're, no, 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 never mind. He's second. Oh, okay, to LeBron with, in, in the West. In the front court, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, Not yeah. overall, yeah, you're right. But still, like, he's not very far off first place, which is LeBron. But crazy. I'm going to say LeBron is one of those players that made the All-Star game his first first season. Okay. All right. Okay, so I have to guess both of them before you give me if that's right? I'll give you the the chance to try to guess Uh, two. Maybe you get one one out of Uh, two right. I'm going to go LeBron, and I'm going to go Carmelo Anthony. Ooh, interesting guesses. Those are that means those it's are, not right, huh? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> those are good guesses, but no, they're not right. Huh? I'll take another shot at it. Did I get any of them right? No. No. I'll give you, but I'll give you a hint. Both of these players were in the Western Conference oh, their rookie year. That's really disappointing. I thought I was at least right on LeBron. LeBron might have <sighs> been just way too easy. Well, yeah, and that's why there's two. Um, yeah, true. Oh man. So Western Conference teams. Western Conference teams. Uh, Kevin Durant. All right, what's your second choice? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna tell you Uh, if it's right or wrong until you punch both answers um, in. Um, oh man, this is super hard now. I thought I was so (laughs) right the first time. I'm gonna go Anthony Davis. Oh, those are solid guesses too. Actually, neither of those. So the two players Jeez. who were voted into the All-Star game since the year 2000, their rookie year, number one, Blake Griffin. Oh, I, oh <laughs> no, I just, oh. At age 21 <sighs> in the 2010-2010-2011 season, he was voted All-Star. I'm so Which disappointed. I guess it was his second year, but I, it's still yeah, rookie. Yeah, but I should have known that. I should have guessed that. Yeah, this second one might have been a little hard because his name doesn't come up as often anymore but it's Yao Ming no at way 22 years old in the year 2000 2003 what? he was voted into the all-star game okay that's pretty cool I did not yeah. know that I didn't think he was that good immediately but that's that's awesome I mean I would I don't even know I don't really quite remember let's see in that year Yao Ming um well can't look at the numbers. It's going to take too long. But anyways, <laughs> Yao Ming has always had such a huge presence. I mean, he got voted into the All-Star game 
once when he missed the entire season. Right, yeah. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> he was just that crazy, that tall, that big, that good at shooting, honestly. Yeah. Um, he was and, so fun to watch. And he also has a nation of a billion yeah. people behind him. <laughs> right. Wait, so LeBron didn't make it? Yeah, LeBron was not an all-star what? his rookie year. I'm shocked. I know, that's a, that's a little shocking when you 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 realize that Blake Griffin was an all-star yeah, his rookie year. Yeah, his his rookie year was sensational, but I mean LeBron, wow. All right. Well, so here yeah, so I guess is Luka Doncic going to be the third? I mean, as far as the fans are concerned, yes, but are the coaches and the players going to think the same way? I think at this point you have to. I mean, look how many how many votes he's commanding. He's well over the <laughs> 2 million 2 million mark at this point and uh that's at the same level as LeBron, Giannis, um and uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? Or uh, Kyrie or, Irving, Steph Kyrie Curry. Irving. It's Ky- yeah, it's Kyrie yeah. Irving. I was thinking of K. Yeah, it was Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So he's there, and I mean, he's putting together. He's only getting better as the season has been progressing. And here's something even crazier: not only would he, you know, join Blake Griffin and Yao Ming, um, but he'd also be the youngest All Star at 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, a teenager. The first teenager voted to an All Star game. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Kobe made it when he was nineteen. I can't remember, but true. Actually, yeah, was he nineteen? Anyways, but still, he's gonna be a rookie and nineteen. Like yeah, that's that's, that's absolutely insane. I mean, he's playing so well too, like way better than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. Um, because mm-hmm. be probably because he's European, you know, yeah. just like the stereotype that they just aren't as ready for the NBA as American players. Well, I mean, he put that to rest pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah now, so, now he's second in front court voting behind only LeBron. Yeah, ridiculous. Which is basically like his, I'm sure, his childhood idol. Right. Uh, yeah. Basically, been playing in the NBA since he was like four years old. <laughs> exactly. That's who you grew well, up let, watching. Yeah, let's run through the list of the top vote getters in the Western Conference and see. I'm sure there there is one big surprise that me and you can agree on, but see uh, who who you're surprised here. So LeBron James number one, uh, Luka Doncic number two, Steph Steph Curry number three, Derek Rose number four, followed by Paul George, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. I don't see the surprise. <laughs> the disrespect here. <laughs> no, this is not disrespect. This is respect for a man who came back from what is seemingly pretty much a career-ending string of injuries. And this guy comes back, and he's in the running for most improved or sixth man of the year, whichever award you want to give him. Yeah. He deserves the fan vote. He deserves this. There's no disrespect going on. This is disrespectful. This is not I mean, disrespectful. That's just who I'm, the fans are rooting for. This, this, is the, this is who the fans like. I mean, Derrick Rose, if he got the same minutes as a lot of these guys, would probably be averaging like all-star caliber numbers. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, maybe we could say the same thing about Chandler Parsons. Let's just stretch no. it that much. Then. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy no, could, no, no, come on. <laughs> or, I mean, I mean, That's you could disrespect. use that. You could add that same thought to Mike Conley. And, you know, well, Mike Conley. Yeah, Mike Conley couple, probably does deserve it. He does deserve it over Derrick Rose. Oh, he definitely well, yeah, does. Yeah, he does. In, I mean, Derrick Rose isn't going to make the All-Star game. But this is no disrespect. This is the fans showing respect for a guy that deserves the recognition this year. 
I'm not sure if he deserves the recognition. You <laughs> I think, dude, do you not think this is a great story that Derrick Rose made it back to NBA relevancy after I, so many years just fighting off injuries and trying to get back to being full that, strength? That that is a good story. That is a good story. But it's not a good story is that he he receives an honor of being an all. Well, which, anyways, the, <laughs> the, the, being an all star almost me almost means nothing when you when you think about the. The time that Kobe Bryant got voted an all-star consecutive times despite not even playing at an all-star level. Yao Ming being voted in there. Like, I'm not sure if it... Things like this really muddle that. Yeah, but that, you think uh, of, like... The distinction. Like, what's the point of having a fan vote if the fans can't vote for their favorite players over who... Oh, I'm just going to pick LeBron because he's the best. Obviously, everyone knows <laughs> LeBron's the best, but you don't need a fan vote to do that. That's true. I guess I guess at the end of the I've, day, this is entertainment. We are <laughs> the NBA is entertainment. I, I have voted every day for the All-Star game and I have not once picked LeBron James. Who have you been did you vote for Derrick Rose? <laughs> I did. I'm one of the Derrick Rose truthers. I no vote I voted for Derrick Rose. I voted for Nikola Vucevic. He's a guy I think deserves to be in the All-Star that, game. See, that's a good name. Yeah, yeah. I voted for Doncic multiple times. Um, but then I've also voted for Jeremy Lin and David Nwaba. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Lin, let's not even start on him. Let's wait till we yeah. go through the Eastern Conference. But still, like I'm, I I like to. I still want to give respect to the All Star distinction. So I'm not gonna vote for a guy like Derek Rowe. So I guess my votes can be quote unquote boring because I vote. Yes based off the guys that I think yeah, so, ultimately yeah, should be there. So have you been voting every day? Have you been voting for just LeBron, Kyrie, Kawhi, Giannis? I mean, I haven't been voting every day. I've, I've only voted once. Um, I'm not also uh, huge on doing that. I guess <laughs> if I re- – like maybe when I was when I was a teenager, I remember I did vote for like Andrew Bynum and Kobe <laughs> a bunch of times. <laughs> and See, like Lamar. Fun. It's way funner yeah. to vote like that than to vote for like the guys you know are going to be there anyway. True, true. <laughs> but yeah, I did vote. I mean, I made I made my honest vote and I thought about it and I you know, I put LeBron, I put uh-huh. I voted for Joe Kick. I got okay. Curry in there. I yeah. got Durant in there. Um and Anthony Davis in there, right? Mm-hmm. That's five. That's five, yeah. yeah. All right. That's who I got in there. All right. Yeah. You vote your way, I'll vote mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the Eastern Conference. So Giannis uh leads that vote, followed by Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid. Dwayne Wade, yeah. <laughs> Kemba Walker, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Odalipo, Blake Griffin, and then at that bottom, then we get to Kyle Lowry, um, and even further below that is Jeremy yeah. Lin, who has there more votes is. than Bradley Beal and Al Horford. I mean, this That's is, disrespectful. Again, I mean, this is the Yao Ming effect, man. This guy's got a billion fans. <laughs> This is crazy. I don't Jeremy. How many games has Jeremy Lin even played? He's played in most of them. He's only had minor injuries this year, and he's actually been having a good year, like for how he has been playing in the past, and he's fully healthy now. Like last season, he was out the first game of the season with a season-ending injury, and he's come back this year and played and been pretty productive. Um, but I mean, yeah, but obviously not, not all-star level, but. <laughs> I mean, hey, you gotta you gotta give uh, some props to a guy that's coming back fighting from back from so many injuries that have plagued his career. I guess you could say this argument. Uh, so the Atlanta Hawks are fourteen and thirty. 
and then only sl- behind the Wizards, who are in eleventh at eighteen and twenty six. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Lin is what probably the third best player on the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Maybe fuzzy, maybe third, fourth, fifth, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's kind of equal to Bradley Beal. He's a top three player on his team. Uh, his team <laughs> is also in the 12th place in the Eastern Conference, and the Wizards are in 11th. Uh, so they kind of share their similarities, I, I give I you, I give you some props for trying to compare them, but Bradley Beal deserves this so much more than Jeremy Lin. But, I mean, Dwayne Wade is just getting this for the legacy vote. You kind of like so, how Kobe Bryant got it in his last year. Yeah, and he did not this. Deserve he that. didn't deserve he, it, but like <laughs> everyone wanted to see Kobe Bryant play one minute in the All Star game. Like for some reason, that's like a really cool thing for us. But what yeah. about so if so now? Obviously, we have the new format here where it's half votes, um, half coaching decisions or media member decisions. So with Dwayne Wade accumulating this many points, are you pressured? Are they pressured? Do you think to actually put him in here? Mm, that's a good question. It's like, do you put him on the same level as Kobe Bryant, like respect wise to like put a guy in there that's for sure in his last season, like that's not going to play after this year and he's not playing at an all-star level. I, I say like, it hurts me to say this, but no, I, I don't think you give him that automatic nod because if that were the, I mean, the fan vote is one thing, but he just doesn't command the same respect that Kobe gets. Like he's just one level below, which yeah. is unfortunate, but like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's at that, at that point, that transcendent level. Yeah. I don't even think about it. It's for me, it's a straight, easy, no way. He's not an all-star. You're not putting him, you know, Vucevic is a name you just brought up. I mean, that yeah. guy's been playing lights off with the Orlando Magic. Yeah. No, he, he deserves, deserves it. He won't, he won't get it. He's going to get Mike Conley snubbed out of it. But, yeah. I mean, I honestly, if Dwayne Wade made it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're just doing that because they want him to partake in the festivities, you know? True. I like, still at the end don't... of the day, it doesn't really matter. And... Like, honestly, for some of these guys that don't make it, they're probably like, oh, sweet, I just get to rest, and I don't have to worry about media, I don't have to worry about, like, suiting up for a game, like, I can just go sit on my couch, like, get some well-needed rest, prepare for this last 30-game stretch that we have. Uh, Steven Adams actually had a quote that echoed that pretty much, he's just like, would you be mad if you got snubbed out of the All-Star game, or, like, if you, like do you think you deserve to make it? And he's like, honestly, I don't really care. I kind of hope I don't make it because <laughs> I, I like having that break. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice break. Cause it's true. If you're an all-star, I mean, it's not just the game. It's that Saturday media appearances, um, participating in the festive festivities on Saturday and Friday and, and then Sunday, obviously yeah. you're suiting up to play. So yeah. I mean, if you wanted to go out to Mont to the Springs in Montana or something, or like yeah. go hang out by the lake, you're definitely not going to be able to do, do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of parties going on after all the festivities too. And yeah, it's not very conducive if you're trying to be super dedicated to playing an NBA season. Yeah. I, so um, for me, it's, I hope Dwayne Wade isn't on there. Not because I hate <laughs> Dwayne Wade, but just cause he's not an all-star, but yeah. who knows? We'll see. We'll see how the, how this ends up swinging. But how about we go to Dallas here where Dennis Smith Jr. is apparently on the trading block. 
um, while also suspectedly also not playing the last two games due to a um, stomach flu or some sort of sickness. (laughs) Right. So let's run through the timeline. So on Christmas Eve, reports surfaced from Mark Stein of the New York Times that league executives believed that the Dallas Mavericks were open to hearing pitches for second-year guard Dennis Smith Jr., and you fast forward three weeks later, this past Monday, um, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Dallas escalated talks to move Dennis Smith Jr. to either the Orlando Magic or the Phoenix Suns. And shortly after that, uh, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer reported that Orlando is no longer in the running for Smith. Um, and it was also tweeted that the Suns had no interest in Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and the last few days, Dennis Smith Jr. has not been going to practice nor playing uh, quote unquote, due to a stomach virus. So what do you think, Sean? Is this guy on his way out? Has Dallas really admitted and come to the conclusion that they can't play him and Doncic together? I guess so. I mean, when I mean, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of Mavericks games. Where I and obviously not when Dennis Smith Jr. has been on the floor with them because he's been a little hurt this year. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's just. It's so hard for, for me to believe that they would just give up on this guy who had a lot of promise last year. Was He played pretty well for them last year as a mm-hmm. rookie um, on a team that didn't really have a lot to look forward to. And then you bring in Doncic and you're like, okay, they're both ball-dominant guards. Can you have them both on the same team? And I, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit on last like pre- previous episodes, and I think they can. I think Dennis Smith Jr. can evolve his game into being – an off the ball playmaker type of player undersized mind you. But I mean, you have Avery Bradley on the Clippers. You have some other undersized guards, even JJ Beret on the same team that are able to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like they're giving up on him too soon, especially since I mean, we'll get to this a little later, but JJ Beret not being there anymore. Um, you kind of need that extra death at the guard position. Um, if you want to like, make sure guys are fresh and you're still trying to go for a playoff run, obviously at this point in the season, like I don't see the benefit of letting him go at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's tough to let go of a guy like this, especially they haven't, he hasn't really gotten much of a chance to really showcase his, uh, what he can do in the second year of his career. Mm -hmm. He's only played 28 games up to this point. Um, He's been, you could look at his numbers and, uh, admit that he's regressed 12.5 ga- points a game four assists on 44% shooting. But a lot of that's just because he's been hurt and hasn't gotten a chance to really show what he can do. So I think he's due for um, a big second half of the year. If the opportunity is given to him and to simply trade, trade him. I I'd hope it's for something good, maybe a good front, a solid front court player. Cause I think that's where Dallas is really lacking at this point. I mean, they got the Andre Jordan, but if they could get another, a good four or a good three on that starting lineup, then that'd be solid. And uh, but if you can't get that for Dennis Smith Jr., um, I I don't see why you would want to let him go. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think for Dennis Smith Jr., like to to have regressed to twelve and a half points a game. I mean, that's gonna happen naturally too because Doncic is the guy now, and he's right. taking up his his share of like the amount that the ball is in his hands is so high. Like, Dennis Smith Jr. is just not going to be able to produce at the same level that he did last year when he was the guy that was handling the ball in most plays. So, I, I mean, it's to be expected. I don't know how they expect him to be able to produce at the same level or better um, with the situation as it is right now. Yeah, I mean, and I think it also, it also stinks for the franchise that all this has 
sort of gone public this whole week. Yeah, you um, can't. It might really, have hurt their trade. It's really trade hard. Leverage a little bit. Yeah, in this day and age, to keep these things private, you know. I mean, I think yeah. I think these these teams gotta um, talk to the Clippers and Pistons and figure out how to keep trades away from the public, because that no. that whole Blake Griffin trade came out of nowhere. That's um, true. In an age when media just is in every corner of the earth, like right, yeah, especially for a franchise out of L.A. Because I mean, OKC kept the whole Paul George, Carmelo Anthony trades on the down yeah. low as well mm-hmm. when those came about, but. Obviously, it's Oklahoma City. I mean, you got one news outlet there, maybe, and a couple dudes in the basement with blogs and stuff. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so the trade deadline is February 7th. That gives them approximately three weeks to work with to figure out a trade for Dennis Smith. Do you think that he's going to be gone before the trade deadline? I don't think so. I think this whole public uh, this whole public awareness of this whole thing, these leaks that happened, I think this kind of killed their ability to make a deal um, yeah. Though it might have at the same time just hurt the morale of this team for the next couple of weeks. I think Dennis Smith Jr., I'm sure, was probably excited to catch rhythm again now that he's been able to play for a couple games and seems mm-hmm. like he might be down in the slumps. Yeah. After, with all these with all this news. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help your morale when everyone's just talking about how good Doncic is and how unnecessary you are. <laughs> exactly. Um but somebody that was completely unnecessary <laughs> is Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> thrown Aww. out the window by the Timberwolves. <laughs> and I mean me and you we talked about this so much since the summertime that Tom Thibodeau is probably out. Right. Um as soon as, time. Yeah, as soon as we saw every every other coach slash president losing their job like it seemed like this was inevitable for Tom Thibodeau uh it kind of came out of nowhere though the fact that they scorched the Lakers in that game and then the next day it's announced that he got fired um after leading the Timberwolves to 19 and 21 record since his firing the Timberwolves you can't really say they've been better they've won two out of their last four though Andrew Wiggins and Andrew Wiggins specifically is looking slightly better. Yeah, it's interesting to see that like he he might have been held back by Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean uh Ryan Saunders I think is the fun story here takes over. He's Flip Saunders' son. Um only 32 years old taking over as the interim head coach and he's the first millennial head coach um because of wow. his age, which is pretty insane. I feel like this if there was a team he would take over or that it would kind of work, it would be the Timberwolves just because this is a young team. I mean, yeah. well, I guess actually you're Taj still Gibson. You're, to- you're coaching guys that are older than you, like Luol Deng, Taj oh. Gibson. Like, I, don't, I think Derek Rose is still like 29 or 30. I, I can't remember. Yeah, so Taj Gibson is exactly 32. Luol Deng is on the older side. Derek yeah, Rose, yeah. I think, is 30. Yeah, so pretty crazy. Kind of like a Sean McVay, uh, like on the Rams type of thing, type of deal. Just a really young coach here. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe helping out these young guys, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, just be able to play um, to their strengths. Yeah, so this is a team that's gotten a couple solid wins. Those two out of four were against the Pelicans and the Thunder. But we're later just, I mean, their most recent game was getting clobbered by the 76ers. Yeah. <laughs> 149 to 107 uh, by Jimmy Butler and company there. Yeah. That was I a mean, statement game for, for for Jimmy Butler's team right there. <laughs> Put yeah, them in it, their place. Exactly. And it just ends, a, a, I think, like a really bad chapter for this franchise. And it makes sense when Tom Thib- that Tom Thibodeau is gone because let's look back at that trade for Jimmy Butler. So... 
They traded Chris Dunn, who was the fifth pick at one point, Zach Levine, who was the 13th pick, and that seventh pick, who ended up becoming Laurie Markkinen mm. to the Chicago Bulls. And then you trade Jimmy Butler to the 76ers when everything went down, and you get back an old Jared Bayless <laughs> basically on play. his way out. <laughs> yeah, a Robert Covington, um, a solid role player, solid. but he's on a four-year deal, $46,000 or $46 million. <laughs> <laughs> A great deal right there. <laughs> that man's making less than us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and you also get Dario Saric, um, who's due for an extension next year and has really played roughly maybe 20 minutes a game right now. Hasn't really yeah, no established a footing. Team, yeah. And you get a second-round draft pick. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And Robert so, Covington's a good player. Like he he, is. he's a good three and D type of player, but I mean Jimmy Butler is a better three and D type of player. So yeah, I yeah. mean, would you say? I mean, or I'm I'm sure you'll lean that Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, Laurie Markkinen would be a better set of players than Robert Covington, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, three three solid players. I mean, Zach Levine's ha- like he's gotten his fair share of All Star votes himself, even being on that crappy Bulls team. True. Play, yeah, playing great. Laurie Markkinen, he's going to evolve into a really good player. Chris Dunn's been solid, too. Yeah. And three three great players that the Bulls have for the future. Um, so they could look to compete in a few years with that kind of core they have going on there. Um, something yeah. that the Wolves could have alongside Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, uh, which would be pretty nice for them to have right now. Um, yeah, so yeah. that would basically have rounded up your starting lineup. Basically, they'd be a little small if they play Wiggins at the three, but other other than oh. that, it's a that's a very solid lineup. Yeah, that could that could have been a starting five that you would have had on rookie deals. Well, outside of Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins, but yeah, you would have yeah. had that that team on solid deals for two to three years mm-hmm. until Carl Anthony's new contract kicked in. Right. Yeah, it'd be interesting, but I mean. It's what happens when you have the chance to trade for a, a star in his prime. You know, Jimmy Butler that year with the Bulls was looking really good. Yeah, it's hard, hard to pass that up for guys that are unproven young talent. Exactly. And it's going to be another case study of, you know, do you pull the trigger to get an elite player in his prime? Is that bad or is that good? And this is another case study of when things just don't go very good. Um, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, the retrospect is great, but I mean, I will, I will say this for Thibodeau though, um, the one good thing he did was revitalize Derrick Rose's career. No one else was willing to give him a chance. Uh, Derrick Rose himself quoting, "He was the only coach who believed in me. No teams weren't looking for me at all. I was basically out of the league. Even coming here, everybody didn't know I was gonna play this way." <laughs> What's funny? I was wondering how you were gonna read this quote because this is definitely. <laughs> written in the way Derek oh, Rose yeah. speaks. Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's like a direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> no teams wasn't looking for me at all. <laughs> yeah, Derek Rose, you're right. They weren't. They, or they or wasn't. Were they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. He yeah, he gave us Derek Rose for All-Star, you know? This wouldn't that wouldn't be the case if it wasn't for Thibodeau giving him all that um extra opportunity. True, but let's not forget Derek Rose has missed almost a month of basketball. Right in the middle of this season. Well, that's uh, also because he played him a little too much. <laughs> true. So, I mean, and the Timberwolves are still what? They're like in, in 12th place right now in the yeah, Western yeah, Conference? They're, yeah, they're a little below 500. Obviously not out of it by any means, but with the with 
the way that some of these other teams are rising up right now, it's it's going to be really hard for them to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, They're going to be in an unfortunate situation where they're going to be fighting the whole year only to end up as like the 10th seed or the 11th seed at best. Right, which might be respectable. This oh, no, year. it might still be 500, <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, they're going to get a pretty crappy lottery pick with it, most likely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's see what Ryan San- Saunders can do the rest of the year. But let's go to big deal of forgetful. And there was a lot since uh, the last two <laughs> weeks we kind of just took off. But the first one is uh, talking about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they this Earlier this week, they prevented Laker fans from getting their first free taco night. And what that basically is, is when the Lakers hold an opponent to under 100 points and they win the game by scoring over 100 points, everybody in Staples Center gets two free tacos to Jack in the Box. <laughs> Jack in the Box tacos are the best, too. So this is a big deal. <laughs> I mean, this is just like so petty on the Chicago Bulls part. 20 seconds left in the game. Uh, you got yeah. the Bulls still fouling the Lakers in order to get that next possession. That next possession... A wild three is thrown, and of course, Zubok fouls a three-point shooter. Go to the free-throw line and get the Chicago Bulls to the 100-point yep. mark, and yeah, nobody gets tacos. 107-100, the final score of that one. See, that's uh, so that's tough, though, because this used to be something where Lakers fans would actually get the tacos a few times a year. Right. Because holding to someone under 100 points wasn't an unprecedented accomplishment <laughs> like a few yeah. years ago. But in today's NBA when everyone's scoring like 115 points on average a game and the Lakers are one of the worst defensive teams in the league, right? it doesn't happen. This is the <laughs> one chance for it to happen, and it didn't happen. So I actually looked it up on when the last time Laker fans got free tacos, and that was back last year in March of 2018. Wow. I forgot the exact game and day, but it was in March of 2018, the last time the Lakers buttled down on defense. And a team had an atrocious shooting night and refs <laughs> held on to their whistle. <laughs> but wow, what's crazy, though, so is that ago. it also almost happened against the Pistons. They were right oh, yeah. there to making this happen. And, of course, the Pistons, Blake Griffin, um, end up scoring. But what's so uh. funny about that game is Mark Jackson couldn't didn't understand what was going on. He's like, wait, they're uh, chanting, we want tacos. It's <laughs> a nationally televised game? <laughs> yeah. He was just, he oh, had some quote so that was great. hilarious. He's like, why are they chanting, we want tacos? They should be chanting, we want to win. The least Laker team needs a win, not tacos. <laughs> uh, he doesn't understand. He must not have ever had Jack in the Box tacos in his life. He doesn't realize how good they are. Yeah. So would you say big deal or forget? Oh, big deal. This might not I happen the you. rest of this year. This, yeah. this was the one chance to get tacos. And Jack in the Box just making out with free advertising in Los Angeles because there's no free tacos being given out. Yeah. What's crazy is like if you were buying tickets to a Laker game and you specifically wanted to not only watch the Lakers play, see LeBron James, but also get free tacos, there's a couple games you circle <laughs> that's against the Cavaliers, <laughs> the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls right. at home, and the oh. Phoenix Suns. That was our chance, man. That was their opportunity. And all those games occurred in this, well, not the Phoenix Suns, but they got New York this month. They hacked the Cavs They this got month. rocked by the they, Cavs. Yeah, they got rocked by the Cavs and the Knicks. Yeah, and, and this Knicks. was it. <laughs> this was it and oh. uh, didn't happen. So now, I mean, I don't know who else. Uh, it's going to take, It's it might not, not happen, man. Yeah, because you already played the Knicks at home. You already played the the Bulls, um, the, the Bulls and the Cavs at home. Yeah, 
Yeah. Maybe the Hawks. Yeah, they must play the Suns again. It might, maybe it's the Suns. It's it's gonna have to be. You hope Devin Booker isn't injured, and <laughs> uh, or is injured. You hope he's injured. I for for like real life sake, you hope he isn't injured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for Taco's sake, you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe there's another chance. But how about this one? Another LA story with Blake mm. Griffin snubbing Steve Palmer. Um, Balmer when he was reaching out for a handshake after he walked up to uh, during the shoot around session that the Pistons were doing right before the Clipper game obviously Blake Griffin sprints into the locker room completely avoiding him and then he goes on later that night to drop 44 points on four, oh. 56% shooting to beat the LA Clippers yeah, is this actually, a big deal or forgetful here so, so yeah I actually got to see this game live which was awesome got to go Ooh. with my dad watch Blake Griffin just have his revenge on us <laughs> so you you could say that yeah he snubbed him because of out of revenge but ultimately I think this is forgetful because uh, he mentioned after the game like that it's his post uh, warm up ritual to just once he sees a clear shot into the um, into like the locker room area he just sprints mm-hmm. for it and he doesn't right. stop for anybody so it, I don't think it was any offense to Steve Ballmer I think if anything he should have been more aware of Blake Griffin's tradition that he's done every year of his career. That's what he does pre-game, and he yeah. should have known that. So that's on him. True. That's an interesting point. I also think it's – I don't think shoot-around is, like, a good time to try to do something like that either. Right before the game? I mean – Yeah, maybe he thought that on. was his only chance to see him, but – Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I would think after the game would be the ba- the better the better chance. Like, right after the game when everybody's, you know – I'm sure Blake Griffin walked over and gave – Guys like Lou Williams, you know, a hug or something. Yeah, or said, yeah. What's after up to some of those after guys. the game was over, yeah, he, yeah, like Montrez Harrell came over and said good game, and like they they exchanged nice niceties and all that good stuff. But yeah, for so th- this is trash talk a little bit on the Clippers, which for me <laughs> is hard to do. But if I'm Steve Ballmer, it's like why do I feel the need to go up and shake Blake Griffin's hand? I was only the owner there for a year or two while I was there. I'm sure he gave he gave good years there, Blake Griffin did, but Steve Ballmer wasn't there for most of it. And sure. you're the guy that traded him. You know? <laughs> so are you just trying to shake his hand to make yourself feel better? Like, oh I shook his hand, we're cool now. Like, you're not cool. Like you promised him the world and you traded him to Detroit. Like <laughs> <laughs> you do not deserve a handshake. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how powerful you are. Like you're just doing that to make yourself feel better about it. Interesting. That's funny because I actually had a different thought about it. Yeah? What, what are you I thinking? Was, I was gonna say, I think it speaks to Steve Ballmer's character that he was he put himself out there to to give a handshake to somebody he probably felt was going to be upset at him for a good reason, but he was willing to go out there, you know, and, and make amends. And I, I was going to say, I think that speaks positively hmm. to his character. Wow. But you went That's... completely the different way. <laughs> uh, I can't it. believe how, how different conclusions we came to on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, huh. I'm, uh, it's wow that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think which one sounds better I mean they both have so a lot of merit to them but uh yeah I don't know I think if I'm not a Clippers fan I go with mine personally <laughs> just because like the Clippers are just like that's just our reputation is just bad <laughs> all right all right we'll go with that then yeah, I mean <laughs> at the end of the day you could drive yourself mad just trying to come up with right. some conclusion yeah, to this, yeah. but I mean, it's, but for it's me, forgetful. it's forgetful. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. For, 
Yeah. How about Patrick McCaw here? You want to break down what's happening with Patrick McCaw? The Pat McCaw saga continues. We somehow keep bringing this basically irrelevant player up every week just because of the memes, basically. So the Cavs wave him after only playing a few games with them. He played like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Never really did much of anything. And the conspiracy theory here is that they signed him to that $6 million deal to keep him away from Golden State, who was only willing to pay him that two-year $5.2 million deal. Then that would allow Patrick McCaw to re-sign with any other team as an unrestricted free agent uh, so the Warriors couldn't match it. And so, mm-hmm. what do you know? He decides to end up signing with the Raptors for a one-year minimum. Interestingly, possibly the favorite in the, to come out of the East and play the Warriors in the finals this year. Interesting. Giving them Interesting. inside intel onto the Warriors' playbook. <laughs> and so, the Warriors, obviously kind of in on that uh, strategy there, <laughs> request the NBA to investigate tampering by the Cavaliers for pulling this stunt, <laughs> basically conspiring against them with the Raptors because the Cavs obviously don't like the Warriors very much for beating them in multiple finals late in the recent years. They right. don't have a chance to make it this year, so who do they let Patrick McCaw go to? The Raptors, <laughs> who have the best chance to beat the Warriors. Uh, the NBA yeah. concludes that the Cavs did nothing wrong. And so that- now Patrick McCaw is sharing all his Golden State secrets with Toronto. This is interesting. This is like some uh, 007 M.I. Shyamalan <laughs> stuff or something. <laughs> but, I mean, the the amount of scheming that would... Maybe not a large amount of scheming, but... I mean, I guess it would take uh, Kobe Altman or Dan Gilbert just really despising the Warriors <laughs> yeah. and also making some sort of deal with the Toronto Raptors <laughs> prior to this right? to make this all happen. And also Dan Gilbert will, being willing to... To pay to just throw away six million dollars, right? In order just to, to beat, the, fight beat the Warriors, the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, and Patrick McCaw willing to go to the the second best contender at this point, honestly, which is the Raptors. Which I mean, makes sense for him to do. He collected yeah. his money, and now he's just gonna be chilling in Toronto, just possibly beating his former team and getting the better end of the deal when it seemed <laughs> like he wasn't even gonna be an NBA player this year. Yeah, that that is quite the turn of events for him. Is he's walking away with the six million dollar deal more than he thought he was gonna <laughs> ever get, more than any of us ever thought he should get. Um, and on top of that, he's getting the minimum deal from the Raptors, so two two contracts there. Man, so is this a big deal to you? What do you think? I mean, now that you've broken it down that way, <laughs> I want to believe this conspiracy theory. As it makes sense. There's, there's a lot of assumptions, though, that have to be made. You have to assume that Patrick McCall is also, you know, spiting the warrior, so he's going to be willing to give up secrets, or whether or not he even knows them or has them. <laughs> I mean, he must know some stuff. You know, it's not like they hide the playbook from, like, certain players. But, I mean, you could also just watch the film. You can watch film, yeah, but... Uh, maybe maybe there's some secrets that the Warriors never never had to use in the finals last year because they were winning I'll, so handily. I'll, I'll tell you what the secret is. 47, 46% shooting from three <laughs> from a 6'3 super quick point guard. A seven-footer who can also shoot 55% basically anywhere on the field, on the court. Another dude who shoots 42% from three. 6'6, six, six, great defender, Clay Thompson. 
That's the secret yeah. there. Yeah, maybe that is the secret. Maybe Patrick, Patrick McCall, McCall. Though, he was like, hey, guys, I have some really good secrets. And then they, he gets to Toronto. They're like, okay, Pat, there's your deal. Tell us the secrets. And that's what he says to them. <laughs> He's like, "Can you, if you get these three players who follow exactly these uh, shooting percentages, averages, <laughs> and uh, physical attributes, we might have a we shot. Might have a shot. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Uh, I mean, that the Warriors even oh. went as far as to request the NBA to investigate tells me that maybe some of these assumptions do have a high percentage of being, you know, right. So yeah, if I'm gonna was, go with big deal here. Yeah, I mean, if they, yeah, if there was nothing to be told, like no secrets to be kept, then they, they'd be like, whatever. I don't care where Patrick McCaw goes; he was useless to us anyway. Yeah, it sounds fun to go on the side of the stretch. So yeah, I'm yeah. Go with big deal. I like it. What about this one? This might be a little more questionable. The Ron Baker saga. <laughs> Ron oh. Baker being waived from the Wizards after just 45 minutes played total. Uh, some like kind of just like Patrick McCaw plays 10 minutes in some games, other games he doesn't play at all. Ends his Wizards career with zero total points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. Man, and somebody he, get this man an oh, NBA job. He's out of a job right now. <laughs> And, you, you know, it's not looking very good for our boy. Uh, the yeah. G League is looking like the most likely scenario at this point. Yeah, that's that's a tough loss. The NBA needs some more representation from the surfing white boy community. <laughs> and Ron Baker was one of the last of them. He was the guy, man. <laughs> Kyle Korver's the only one keeping it real. Yeah, that's true. Kyle Korver or Grayson Allen. Yeah. JJ Reddick. Yeah, Grayson Allen. I forgot. Yeah, they, yeah, freaking Utah's collecting him. Ron Baker's next. Ron Baker's yeah. next. Yeah, Ron Baker's next to Utah. Yeah, All right. yeah. How about Chandler Parsons leaving the Grizzlies indefinitely after the team decides it has no idea what to do with him <laughs> other than doing what it has to still do, which is pay him. <laughs> Two years left on that contract for Chandler Parsons. Oh man, this is ultimately forgetful. Be- or like, I can't call it a big deal anymore because he sucks. Yeah. That's just how it is. Like, same thing happened to Jabari Parker. You just can't play a guy that's not gonna give you any positive minutes and isn't gonna stay healthy. Chandler yeah. Parsons is that. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna find himself in a Luol Deng situation where he's just sitting on the couch collecting his millions. Right. I mean, I think I think it is forgetful, but when you look at it from a financing standpoint, you're still paying this guy twenty million plus for the next two years, and he's holding back so. <laughs> what was it? What did we say? Twenty percent of the total cap space for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, something insane. I mean, essentially, Chandler, that cap hold is uh, the rest of what the quality years Marcus Saul, uh, maybe even Conley have right. left in their NBA career. Yeah. That's, productive players so and when you look at it from that standpoint uh, it's kind of a big deal yeah that's true and now yeah now that you put it now you frame it that way it, it is a big deal because it not only hurts the short-term like talent of the team because you can't really include him as part of the roster but it hurts the long-term potential of this team because you're losing out on your two best stars while you also don't have the cap space to sign somebody else that could contribute for you in the meantime right and Memphis, honestly, small market team, probably not going to want to go deep into the luxury tax. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, just to they don't try have, to maybe make the playoffs. Yeah, they don't have the funds to do that. They have to build through the draft. Yeah. So another guy here following this kind of the same story, bouncing teams. So Michael Carter Williams traded 
for cash to Chicago. No, they give. Pro- they also give cash to Chicago to take him. <laughs> <laughs> and they do they and they get alongside that the second rounder pick, right? The second round pick. So yeah, the, so they send Chicago Michael Carter Williams and cash, which I think was a million dollars, and Chicago <laughs> gives them a protected future second rounder. So they basically just. All, they're like, please take Michael Carter Williams. We'll pay you a million dollars to do it. And Chicago's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this protected second rounder that it's yours if it falls to the 60th spot. Basically, yeah, the last basically, pick. yeah. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, it just saves Houston some, some luxury tax off of their exorbitant deals they have. Um, with their cap space between max contracts for Paul and Harden and a lot of money going towards Gordon and Capella. Um, but, man, you, you kind of think that they maybe wanted to keep him around for a little while longer because of all these injuries that befell the Rockets um, right. and that Daniel House had to um, get uh, sent back to the G League because his contract was up. And so now you're looking at a really shallow roster that just lost to the Nets in overtime despite Harden going for 58 points tonight. Um, this is crazy. Yeah, there's no depth there, and Michael Carr Williams is a body. You could have put him <laughs> out there. It's like the trade deadline wasn't for a few more weeks. Maybe you hold on to him until like Gordon and Paul come back. True. This is a former rookie of the year too. Man, it just sucks to see yeah, how how far he's fallen from grace. From from that was the peak of his career was his rookie year. Right. Uh, it's a yeah, definitely a stinker for him. But I'm. It is what it is. You yeah, know. Yeah. Ultimately forgetful. Right. I agree. Forgetful. Michael Carter Williams will, I mean, he's sealed an NBA legacy in a way just because he will be uh, the NBA rookie of the year who never got, got his rookie extension picked up, uh, bounced around the league. Yeah. So Pretty, anyways. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. So moving on for uh, talking about the Houston Rockets, they lose Clint Capella out four to six weeks uh, with a torn ligament in his thumb. Oof. Man, this is a blow for this yeah, team. Yeah, definitely. So ta- yeah, talking about the the shallowness of the team right now. I only talked about Paul and Gordon. I didn't even mention Clint Capella yet. I mean, this is a huge blow for them. He was playing lights out for them, He's putting right. up mad fantasy points, getting twenty twenties all over the place. <laughs> And now four to six weeks, man, in the midst of Houston finally getting back into the playoff picture. Um, Chris Paul's still going to probably be out for another few weeks. Um, it's just the James Harden show now. And, yeah. you know, it. I mean, he was able to carry the team when he at least had one guy to count on down low. But now you really have nothing. Yeah, I mean, who's taking these minutes? You got Nene Hilar. Nene. Who's, yeah, Nene. Man, how old is he now? He's got to be 33, he's 33 34. Yeah. Yeah, Who he's not good. I mean, PJ Tucker is pretty undersized. There's no way he could play center. Um, uh, they, I think they have some guy that I don't even know whose name is. Marquise Chris? Is it Marquise Chris? No, he's like a more of a power forward. Um, let, let me, but yeah, Clint Capella being out, like, this is a huge deal for this team. Do you think that by the time he's out of these four to six weeks, you think they'll still be in a playoff spot? Uh, I want to say yes. Yeah. But it's also not a very confident yes. Okay. I mean, they, they almost beat the Nets tonight. Yeah, but that uh, was well, take, that took James Harden a, hurry, a Herculean <laughs> effort of 58 points, and they still lost. That's tough. Yeah, so who played? So they went super small with their lineup. They went – oh, so Eric Gordon came back tonight, actually. All right, so yeah. he's back. But, yeah, so they have Rivers, Gordon, Harden at – 
three, basically, <laughs> with Gary Clark, the rookie power forward, at four, and then they did play P.J. Tucker at center. Nene played just 16 minutes. Yeah. So they're just I mean, going just, super small. Maybe they get lucky and, and pick up some G League two-way contract guy. Uh, somebody out there still in the free agent. Maybe. And yeah. Who's who's a center that's avail- available right now? I don't even know. Like, uh, maybe a Mecca Okafor? You could get a Mecca Okafor from the G League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could try. You could yeah, try. He, he's, uh, he's chilling in that SpongeBob uniform. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's tough. Uh, I mean, let's see how this team reacts. I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they've put together some insane efforts. James Harden himself. So I want to say, uh, just a week. Yes, I think they can still be there in four to four to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Lakerland, though, LeBron James still out with that strained groin. Um, look, but just reported that he's going to start practicing next week, um, with hopes to play soon after that. Uh, Lakers having gone what three, um, they won like what three to seven, or three yeah. three three wins seven losses with him out of the lineup. Yeah, so they've actually gone four and six now with that oh. win with the against the four Bulls. And six. Yes, yeah, I mean but- on a soft schedule though that he that LeBron James has been out on, you hope that they would have done a little better. Exactly. I mean, you had the Bulls and the Cavs. Well, they got the Bulls win, but you had that game against the, the Cavs. Yeah, against the Knicks. Um. Who else? Well, I guess they walked away with that game from the Mavericks, but just a bad showing against the, the Timberwolves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, they were, like, there for a while against the Jazz. The Jazz are also a hot team, so I guess you can't blame them for losing that one. But you would want to expect them to at least try to steal a game there, like that Thunder game they had a chance. Uh, for Like, Jazz, they were kind of there. Um, but they need LeBron back to stop yeah. the at this point. Just yeah. the, the way they've been losing these games has just been bad. Right, yeah. This is the longest streak LeBron's been out in a while, too. But the reports do say that if it were the playoffs, he would be playing. But it just means that he's not quite 100% yet. So he will be 100%, I think, is what's going to happen But when he does come back, which is going to be really good for the Lakers to have. Right. And then for Memphis Grizzlies, they lose Dylan Brooks. Brooks, the, you might recognize him as being one of the names I was mistaken for Marshawn Brooks. <laughs> well, he's out. He came back for a couple uh, games, and now he's out again, out for the rest of the season, getting surgery on the right toe. It's funny, all these toe injuries, you wouldn't think would actually knock somebody out for the whole year. Pretty brutal, I man. Yeah, this, that's just another hit to this Grizzlies team, man, that just can't catch a break. Yeah, this just might be it. This might have been, like, one of the finishing blows uh, yeah. to them. It's not, like, a dagger, but it's, like, it's a pretty solid, solid stab in the chest. Yeah, they they're losing depth at that guard position, and Dylan Brooks was a player they leaned heavily on to take some minutes when Conley was on the bench. But uh, right. JJ Beret also out the rest of the season with a torn Achilles tendon. Wow, possibly Oof. ending his career. That's awful, man. I feel so bad for this team, for the Mavericks, and for for JJ individually, man. Like he was having a pretty good year with them. Uh, offered great spark plug off the bench like he's done in years past and helping keep this team competitive in the playoff race. And he's a guy that is going to be really hard for them to replace. Um, probably yeah. won't even be able to really. Um, yeah, that sucks, man. Yeah, J.J. Barreo's kind of become a Dallas Maverick, like the symbol of Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> kind of like yeah. Jason Terry was a couple years ago. 
Wow. Sort of one of those strong role players that you're just you just automatically associate yeah, with the franchise. Yeah, scrappy dude, just super small, but plays with the big guys and just gets the job done. Yeah. Hopefully well, he can come back next season at some point. I hope his career isn't over. Yeah. Well, how about we talk about some of the hot teams just catching fire, and we don't talk about the Warriors all that often because it's ultimately just assumed that they're always on fire. <laughs> but this year they've been they've had some down points and A little they haven't more looked as strong, yeah, as they have in the past. But as of lately, they're back to who we thought they were going to be, destroying the number one seed Denver Nuggets by 31 points, scoring 51. In that first quarter, uh, Steph making 19 of the last 32 threes. Um, or- yeah, pretty unreal. And now they're going to beat, probably beat the Pelicans tonight as we're making this podcast. They're up by eight in the last minute of the game, um, which was a pretty gritty game for both teams. Um, but, yeah, impressive win for the Warriors there against a Pelicans team that's surging now that they're healthy. And yeah, Steph Curry is just playing lights out. They destroyed the Nuggets, and now DeMarcus is coming back against the Clippers, unfortunately, on Friday. So that's going to be a bloodbath, another loss for us probably. Um, but we'll it's, it's going to be interesting to see how scary they are with DeMarcus Cousins and that he's going to immediately start for them. So there's nothing but heat that's going to be coming for this team. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that game was going to be so much more competitive, the Warriors-Nuggets game, that is. I mean, I thought the Nuggets were ready to try to Maybe they weren't going to walk away with a win, but at least, you know, puff the chest a little bit um, and yeah. introduce the old dogs to the new dogs, but right. that yeah, game was a, over right from the start. Yeah, in a game where it's, yeah, one seed versus two seed, you expect it to be a good game, but they just did not show up for the, they did not rise to the challenge, which goes to show it's like the West is still the Warriors' West. Like the mm-hmm. Raptors are probably the Raptors and maybe the Bucks are the best chance that the league has of beating the Warriors in the playoffs. Yeah, so that was an impressive showing and it looks like that might have just been a turning point in their season to really start kicking things into high gear. But another mm-hmm. team also trying to kick kickstart themselves is the Utah Jazz on a four-game winning streak beating the the Los Angeles Clippers uh tonight that is, right? They won that game. Yeah, they won that game. It's a five-game winning streak now. Five-game winning streak. <laughs> it was only just one podcast episode ago, I think I highlighted yeah. why I think if there was a team that was going to make a huge resurgence in the second half, it was going to be the Utah Jazz, and here they are ascending to the eighth seed and taking it that spot away from the Los Angeles uh, Lakers. Or mm-hmm. actually, they're tied right now. Yeah, they're tied right now, but basically in the eighth seed. Um, yeah, I... I when you're right, you're right on. You know, they, they've been taking advantage of that soft schedule that you mentioned. And I, I got to give credit to Donovan Mitchell, who's finally finding his groove. He, he really is kind of making a name for himself as a second half of the season type of player um, in the in the month of January, averaging 27.1 points a game on 45% from three. And he was just named the Western Conference Player of the Week to go along with those numbers. So... Um, and a lot, and a lot of these wins are without Ricky Rubio too, who's been out for them for a little while. So, right. um, yeah, they're playing really well right now. Donovan Mitchell is taking advantage of the extra time with the ball with Ricky Rubio out, and he's finally rounding into that player that's going to become the next star in this league. Yeah, and how about Rudy Gobert, man? He's defending yeah. his defensive player of the year title this year. I mean, he's been cons- he has not missed a game this year. 
Um, he's been consistent. Yeah, he's usually been quite an Iron Man. He he doesn't miss very many games. Yeah, but um, I mean, last year he missed a good chunk of games. Yeah, last year is year... an exception. Yeah, he he missed a lot last year, and but he came back strong. Uh, yeah, this year he and... looks strong, and uh, Utah still has the second easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way. Right. So what do they got next? They got the Cavaliers <laughs> at home next. <laughs> you got Trailblazers, then you got. You you got the Nuggets, but then you got Timberwolves, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, and then you got the Hawks, Rockets, Suns, Spurs. So you could get to win two out of those four right there. So I I'm I I think we're gonna be talking them about them again, and maybe next uh, episode, maybe yeah. in the next another couple as they make their run up the <laughs> Western Conference ladder. Yeah, they might. Ter- they might. But on the other side of that sinking teams, there's only one sinking team we're covering this week, and it's <laughs> got to be the L.A. Lakers. Oh. Who, up to this point, with their win against the Chicago Bulls, had lost seven of their last ten, including that awful home game loss against the Cavaliers, a team who had lost 12 straight games. Oh. Um, and there's that video of Rob Palenka pacing back and forth <laughs> in the tunnel out. Uh, just kind of not believe, couldn't believe what he had just seen. Um this is a team that is officially now dead last in the league in free throw shooting oh, after finally. their awful streak. <laughs> the last 11 games of terrible, so terrible free throw shooting. Um, in the month of January, they lo- they sh- they've been shooting 26% on three-point line, which is also dead last. Oh, man. In terms of turnovers, 27th oh, in the league. Oh, man. This is so bad. It's it's kind of a surprise that they've actually held on to a playoff spot for this long once you start looking at these Yeah, breakdowns. they had a little bit of a cushion when LeBron went out. They beat the Warriors. That's true. And then, yeah, but he makes up the whole team, just like he did with the Cavs. Look, the Cavs are who they are now. The Lakers and the Cavs are basically the same team. Just insert LeBron onto one of them and they become a contender. It's insane Like when you realize just how good LeBron is because the Lakers – they're not they're not doing bad individually per se. Each individual is doing slightly better than last year, but it just it is what it is. They're just a bad team without Julius. I mean, you thought they were bad oh, last yeah. year and this year without LeBron, they they're the Lakers of last year but without Julius Randle. Yeah, who was a there. big part of last year. Exactly. And without Brooke Lopez too. Yeah, Brooke Lopez was a very good come up for the Lakers last year. Yeah, and JaVale so McGee just does not he does not put it the same role as Brooke Lopez. And that that's the interesting thing is since LeBron's been out, the two guys who have suffered the most is JaVel McGee and Josh Hart. Uh, mm. Josh Hart just shooting uh, awful from from three after he was seemed like he was going to be a steady option uh, as a shooter, and JaVel McGee obviously catching ollie oops and good shots at the basket, and they both have just fallen off since LeBron. Um, got injured but right. the free throw shooting is the most infuriating thing about this team i think <laughs> they still haven't improved i cannot believe like how little work it seems they've put into free throws in the off season yeah i'm not surprised that they're finally ranked dead last in free throw shooting based off how poorly they shot it last year <laughs> that's true i mean you can't you can't call yourself a like Brandon Ingram cannot call himself a scorer if he's shooting under seventy percent from the free throw line. Yeah, it's like that. That's super embarrassing. And, and Lonzo I, Ball, I just don't get it. Yeah, Lonzo Ball cannot be a starter and point guard in this league while also shooting under seventy percent from the free throw <laughs> line. Yeah, no sense. 
Uh, he he bulked up in the offseason, but he forgot to put in those free throw shots. Maybe maybe <laughs> exactly. that that's coming next year. Maybe that that's the next piece of the puzzle for this man. You gotta hope. So let's go through the best performances of the last two weeks. So DeMar DeRozan, 21-14 and 11, two steals. His first triple-double of his career against the Toronto Raptors. That's so fitting. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I think it's awesome that he's able to do that against his old team just, just as his revenge game. Kind of like what Blake Griffin did to us in his revenge game. I mean, he, he brought his A game for it. DeMar DeRozan getting yeah. his first triple-double in his career, which is pretty crazy to me because he's been a great player in this league for a long time, but maybe the rebounds don't and the assists don't come as naturally to him as a pure scorer. But yeah. he did it all for this team and, yeah, took him down. He's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it just helped. I think at this point it's just because Spurs really don't have a true point guard right now. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. All right. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins showing his colors and trying to solidify himself and justify the money he's getting paid with 40 points and 10 rebounds and a big win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that was a close game. That was a fun game to watch. And yeah, Andrew really Wiggins looking like who you thought he would be coming out of Kansas. Right. Kind uh, of alluding to what we were talking about earlier. Uh when Ryan Saunders took over the team, it seems like kind of Andrew Wiggins is getting a little more wiggle room to kind of do what makes him a good player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's great performance he's, from him. Yeah, he's just got to piece that together consistently. Consistency is just this guy's problem. Um, but yeah. Lamarcus Aldridge, twenty for thirty-three, sixteen for sixteen from the free throw line, fifty-six points, nine rebounds, four assists, and four blocks in that double overtime win against the Thunder. That was another fun game. To yeah, watch. what a monster performance from this man! I I had no idea he was capable of this volume of scoring. Granted, it was double OT, but like still fifty-six points for Lamarcus Aldridge. Like that's unheard of. I will say this though. He he really took advantage of the fact that Steven Adams was not there. Oh, he totally. was post he was bullying the crap out of oh, who <laughs> who were they throwing at him? Grant? Yeah, Paul Jeremy George. Grant, yeah. Yeah, and Jeremy, Paul George is so small. Yeah, no, no he chance. took advantage clearly, but hey, give him gotta give the guy credit. I mean, he took full advantage of his opportunity. Yeah, you wanna talk I mean, the Marcus Audridge, I think, gets a knack for not being a clutch player. Um, that was a pretty good clutch performance i mean he really oh yeah because demar Derozan was was shooting bricks out there during the mm-hmm. double overtime and marcus aldridge helped get that win for them right and how about this next one pascal siakam with the siakam. 24 points 19 rebounds three steals and two blocks and their double overtime win over the wizards um this man is the front runner for sixth man of the year or not sixth man of the year most improved player of the year yeah. right now um, well a guy deserved. that you, yeah, that you wouldn't expect uh, would win this award like out of nowhere, seemingly like no one thought he was going to improve as much as he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the the young guy that was going to step out was going to be OJ Anobi. Yeah, I thought so too. He's been quiet, but it's Pas- Pas- yeah, Pascal Siakam. Siakam, yeah, Siakam. This guy is play. I like this guy. Oh uh, really yeah, like this guy. No, he's he's such a come up for these Raptors, man. Yeah, and Russell Westbrook in that same game, 24 points, 13 rebounds, and a wicked 24 assists. <laughs> wicked. Wicked, man. I now really use that word, but it just yeah. felt right here. Told, that, that was 100% accurate. <laughs> he was a magician with those assists, man. Yeah, it wasn't enough to overcome LaMarcus Aldridge's massive point total, but 
Yeah, 24, 13, 24, man. That is a crazy triple-double. Yeah, I think we don't give Russell Westbrook a lot of credit on this podcast, at least not this. I feel like we talked a lot about him last year, but this year not so much. And I had to give him respect. I was starting to lose, um, like, fanship, I guess you could say, over Russell Westbrook a little bit at the end of last year and in that playoff series against Utah. Like, um, I started to see the reasons why there's people out there who just don't really like Russell Westbrook's game. And I'm starting to see that a little bit. But this year, he's turned a corner. He's making better basketball decisions, distributing the ball, and putting it in better places for guys like Steven Adams and Paul George and, and mm-hmm. Grant and some of these pieces that he has on that Oklahoma City team. And this game, that 24 assists, I think, speaks a lot to that. Right, and I think early on in the season, you were seeing a lot of the old Russell Westbrook jacking yeah. up shots, just low percentage. Um, but as of late, looking at just like as like the field goal percentage, uh, actually hasn't been that bad. And it seems mm-hmm. like he's kind of taken a backseat to let Paul George be the primary scorer on this team. And I think it's pretty big of him to be able to give that up as a rating MVP from two years ago. Um, to give that mantle up to Paul George to be the primary scorer, and he's the primary facilitator, and still getting his triple doubles, obviously, but um, with tons of assists now, like way more assists than before. Yeah, and I think that's the role he probably should have accepted when Durant was there, but uh, I mean, it is what it is, you know. But he there, did he walk was out young, of he an was MVP. Younger. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's great to see that that duo uh, performing well, and their team looks. I mean, their offense just looks better than it it's ever it ever has since Durant left mm-hmm. um, it looks just more smoother it seems like people have good roles defined right. roles on their on their on the team yeah definitely uh so now, now let's go to the worst performances of the last two weeks I uh, just got a few here we're gonna start off obviously with the Lakers because <laughs> it just seems like it's right to put a Laker in this list at this time of the year we got Alonzo Ball uh, 23 minutes, zero four shooting with zero points, six rebounds, four assists, and cr- that crushing loss to the Timberwolves. Man, yeah, Tyus Jones locked Lonzo Ball locked down, him yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, little Tyus Jones locked six foot six Lonzo down. I don't know what you can say. It you this guy is just not he Lonzo Ball is a good player, but he's not a good offensive player he's a good defensive player he has great visibility but his stat his basic offensive abilities um <laughs> scoring the ball finishing at the rim free throw shooting for for just some weird reason are just completely off yeah i'm not sure if it's lack of confidence or just lack of ability but either way yeah. man you cannot as a starting point guard for a team that that needs scoring when lebron's not there you cannot score zero points no, that's no, ridiculous. Need to be there, CJ McCollum though two for fourteen, six points, six assists, uh, one rebound, and three turnovers in a loss against the Sacramento Kings. Man, the Kings are just a disruptor this year they in the are. Western Conference. And, yes, for CJ McCollum too. He he's a guy that I've marked as like a very consistent player. Um, can give you twenty points every night, and for him to go two of fourteen and only get six points is quite an outlier. Yeah. That yeah, so yeah, very bad shooting, really bad stat line, and a very winnable game. I think mm-hmm. he shoots six of fourteen. They probably win this game, right? 
Jay Crowder, 28 minutes, 0 for 6 from the field, 2 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, and 4 turnovers, and a plus or minus of negative 12. In a win against the Pistons. In a win, yeah. So the rest (laughs) of his team was doing well, but he was just not with the program. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy, he's usually played pretty well for them this year, but this, this was a terrible one. It happens, man, every now and then. It's surprising, though, we have yet to bring up Stanley Johnson into this list. I don't know why uh, no. that just popped into he, my he head. He must have improved. He, he's improved <laughs> from last year. I, I, I'll go. I'll look for Stanley Johnson some more <laughs> for future weeks. He's got to make it. He's got to make it. He's got to make yeah. a comeback. Yeah. Well, how about to close this podcast up? Last episode, I made my case for the Utah Jazz making that big second resurgence into the playoff picture and potentially maybe pushing the San Antonio Spurs out of the playoff picture. But what's your case, Sean, for them still being a playoff contender. Well, Alan, you made a really good case for the Jazz last week, or two weeks ago. I have to say it's panned out for you so far, but as far as who's going to get knocked out for the Jazz potentially if they make the playoffs, it's definitely not going to be the San Antonio Spurs. Right now, sitting at a 26-20 record, they've been 16-8 and since the start of December. And while maybe not as easy a schedule as the Jazz moving forward, they have the 22nd easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way. They're leading the league in three-point shooting. I bet you didn't know that. At 40.2% overall, including 43% shooting at home. And four of their players are in the top 40 for three-point shooting percentage. Okay. On top of that, yeah. What do you think of that? What? (laughs) <laughs> that is interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, Continue very your efficient. Case. Continue your yeah, case. And, and on top of that, we got the emergence of Derek White as the true starting point guard for this team, a team that lacked a point guard at the beginning of this year because he was injured, because DeJounta Murray is out for the season. This man's come in. He's inexperienced, but Greg Popovich has made him into a real NBA player, averaging 16.6 points, four rebounds, four assists in January to complement DeMar DeRozan and this man, LaMarcus Aldridge, who's picked up his game in January too, averaging 25.7 points per game to put himself back in the all-star conversation that is a good case um and i have noticed Derek white's game improving mm-hmm. quite a bit the last month um uh, and yeah. hey i mean even at the beginning of the year you said that there's somebody you can't down that's greg popovich and it's true he somehow finds these scrappy pieces and it turns them into solid role players in the NBA. You right. guys like Thiago Splitter, you're, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking who else? Freaking, I mean, um, who's the guy with red hair? Oh, I forgot. Bonner? Bonner, Bonner? yeah, Matt Bonner. <laughs> Matt Bonner. Yeah. Exactly. You got guys like that come. Bruce Bowen also, he looked like he was going to kind of research his career when he joined the San Antonio Spurs defensive stopper. Um, yeah, I mean, the list goes on of guys who just somehow uh, turn their career around and all of a sudden are solid role players in the NBA, strong role players. And mm-hmm. Derek White seems to be one of those guys. And it's just next in line. <laughs> I mean, if he continues this and this team continues shooting from three like this and Marcus Aldridge stays healthy, uh, because I was doubting this team mainly because of health and they got Pau Gasol back, but they don't need Pau they Gasol. Yeah, they're not even really needing him very much. And yeah, it... It's all looking up for the Spurs, man. They're they're cementing their playoff spot right now. Yeah, More than fighting I, for it. 
You're making a good case. Ultimately, though, I'm going to stick with my word, and I see Utah in and the Spurs out. Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about the nightmare situation where both our team, both Lakers and Clippers, are knocked out of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in their spot, you got the Spurs and Utah. Yeah, Spurs That's and very Utah. very possible. Yeah. That would be an, uh, an M- NBA business case nightmare, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what it is all right thanks everybody for tuning in we'll be back next week with further breakdowns of the nba week don't forget to subscribe to us and tune in every week yep have a good week everybody